Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Can everybody help me out too and welcome everybody watching online today as well. Let's give it up for our online peeps. Hey, I want to dive right into God's word today. We have been in this series called Vows, talking about relationships. And here's what Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 tell us. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Say that next word out loud. Rooted. Come on, say it one more time. Shout rooted. rooted. If you're online, put it in the chat. Put rooted in the chat. In fact, if you type it all in caps, that's like shouting. Don't do that when you're texting somebody, right? Because it's like you're yelling at them. You don't want to do that. But it says rooted in him, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Now, at first glance, you hear that verse and you're like, Colby, what's that got to do with relationships? And I want to say a lot. Because the idea of being rooted in and built up in Christ is this. Healthy people have healthy relationships. Is that not true? Healthy people have healthy relationships. And you are healthy when you have been rooted in and established in and built up in Christ. How many of you know if you have good roots, you'll produce good fruit? Is that not true? Listen, I know everybody lost an hour of sleep today, but I'm going to need you to talk back to me. I was only gone a week or so. So listen, like, like we oftentimes, when it comes to relationships and dealing with issues, we attack the fruit. We try to address the fruit and fix the fruit of what's going on. But we want to get deeper than that in this series. We're not just going after the fruit. We need to go after the root in order to produce good fruit. Healthy people have healthy relationships. How many of you know this? The word vow is a big word. It's not big in number, right? There's only three letters to the word vow, but it's a big word. The the word promise is a big word, is it not? I remember when our our boys were little, our our OGs, the first three, we kind of had two litters. We had three pretty close together, and then we had a break, and we had, you know, another little one in tow. But when the three were kind of little, they'd come up to us and say, you know, Dad, Mom, you know, I promise I didn't do it. Like they were in trouble for something. Maybe they were fighting. I promise I didn't do it. I promise I didn't take it. I promise. And we'd stop them right there and say, hold up. That word promise is a big word. And we weren't talking about the size of the word. We were talking about the weight of the word. We were talking about what that word meant. If you're telling me you promised something and I come to find out that's not true, are you with me? Like promise is a big word. I was trying to instill in them this idea that if you're going to say something, you better follow through with it. Like a promise made is a promise kept, right? And the reason I say that is because for many of us in our relationships, like the reason why there has been tension or the reason why there has been hurt or the reason why there has been pain is because someone made a promise but did not keep the promise. Is that not true? Like like some of you are not even still in a relationship that you used to be in. You were on the the receiving end of a broken promise. Someone made a promise but did not follow through on their their promise. Now let's kind of flip that around. 
Because this is, this is Elevate Church. There are no perfect people here. We are not perfect saints. We are imperfect people trying to pursue a perfect God. And a lot of times we, we get it wrong. So some of us, if we were being honest, we weren't just on the receiving end of a broken promise. We were on the giving end of one. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> right? We've all done this. We, we're human. Hello. Like we have all to a degree had given a promise but not fulfilled a promise. We said something, but we did not follow through on what we had, had said. And so oftentimes our struggle in relationships happens because somebody said something but did not follow through. And so today I want to talk about relationships uh, in, the, in the, the form of promises that we are to make. Uh, and I think this is going to apply to all different kinds of relationships, by the way, not just a marriage relationship. Um, but if you are married, this is going to be, you know, for you. You're going to need this. And if you are not married but want to be married one day, how many of the married people would say, get this now? Yeah. Right? Get this today. Because it's better to start on a solid foundation. So if you're married, this is for you. If you're not married and you're looking, this is for you. And if you are married and you don't want to be married... It's going to take more than this message, all right? Just so you know, you got a lot of work ahead of you. But I also want to say that from the beginning, um, if you hear some of this today and you're like, man, I blew it. Like, we did not do it this way. Like, this is not how, how we are living. Can I just remind you before we even dive in that God's mercy for you is new every single day, that great is his faithfulness in your life, and so why not today be a good day to start again? Are you with me? Why not today be a good day to wipe the slate clean, to start fresh, and say to use some vow kind of language from this day forward, from this day on, I'm going to do it God's way. God's way. And the, we're going to talk about this, this promise. This promise. Um, promise comes from the Latin word pro materme. Pro meaning forward and materme meaning to sin. So pro forward, materme to sin. And so here's what promise means literally. I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to make a vow and I'm going to send it into a future time when I need it. That's what a promise is. Promise is saying, I promise I'm going to do that. And so following through on that promise is someday in the future, you do what you said you were going to do. Does that make sense? Pro materme. I'm going to send this promise into the future, into a moment that I, I need it. And so here's what that means for us, church. The day you stood, married couple, at the altar and said, I do, and made some promises to one another, made some commitments, did some repeat after me, some for, you know, for better, for worses. On that day, you didn't need that promise. You didn't need for better, for worse. Why? Because it was all for better. It was awesome. That was your wedding day. Everything was great. You know, birds were chirping. People were dancing. Unless you were Baptist. You had a crazy uncle who drank too much and got a little handsy with some bridesmaids, <laughs> unless you were Baptist, <laughs> right? Like, like everything was great that day because that was your wedding day. You were the bride. He was your Prince Charming. You had the dress on because you had said yes to it. Like you did not need the promise in that moment. Why? Because it was perfect. That was your, your wedding day. Unless your wedding day was super dysfunctional 
and crazy, you didn't need the promise in that moment. So what you were doing was you were sending that promise that you stood at the altar and made to a time in the future when you would need it. To a time in the, the relationship where there would be tension. To a time in the relationship where there would be hurt where there would be feelings of abandonment, to times you feel, feel alone, like you, to, to the time you weren't happy with something that they did, or happy with something that they said, or you couldn't stand to be around them, or you couldn't stand to, you know when you needed the promise, you know when that promise that you made mattered? It, it mattered when, when you were trying to, to, to walk away. It mattered when they had hurt your feelings and said something that, that, that made you feel about this small. That's when you needed that promise. You needed it when, when you didn't feel like forgiving. You needed that promise when you did not feel like being kind towards that person. When you did not feel like loving them, you needed that, that promise for those moments because when that time came, because if you're married, you know those times come, you needed that, that promise to say, I have already predecided and predetermined in my heart that the moment I want to walk away, the moment that you and I don't feel love for each other and I want to leave, that I'm determined to stay because I made a promise. Does that make sense? That's what the promise meant. And here's what I want you to understand is, is especially the young people in the room, love is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. Love, in fact, looks a whole lot like hard work. Commitment looks a whole lot like, like hard work. It doesn't look like the movies. Hello? A lot of us shape our relationships or understanding about relationship based on movies or television or social media. Like this is what their relationship looks like. This is what it looks like. So this is what it's going to look like. We base it on, on what we see on, on TV. Listen to me. The Bachelor, great television. I love it. Like, who does not love watching, you know, 30 women sobbing after a guy that they met 10 minutes earlier? I love it. That's amazing to me. It's the funniest show on TV. I love it. Great television, terrible education. Right? We, we use words from movies to describe our relationships like, here comes my Prince Charming. My Prince Charming. Let me ask you this, is he so Prince Charming at 3 a.m. when he's snoring? <laughs> and you're punching him in his kidney trying to get him to roll over? And that's what my wife does to me, she, get over, move. Is that so Prince Charming? Is it so Prince Charming when the six pack looks more like a keg? Is this so Prince Charming? No, you know what it is? It looks more like hard work. It looks a lot like, like commitment but we get this picture in our heads. And honestly, social media only aids in amplifying this. How many of you know what you see on social media is not real anyway? Come on. People are only posting you know, what they want you to see. Everybody's posting just their, their highlight reels, but we base our relationships off of what we, we see online, what we see in the movies. We think all of our, 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 our relationships are gonna be like a movie where you know, they, they meet and they have a meet cute. They always call it a meet cute. And there's this guy and this girl and they're, they're in different relationships where they love each other and they can't tell each other and the timing is just never right. And so he decides he's gonna tell her, but she's with someone else. And so he's gonna go to the airport and take the job in London 
London. And so she goes over to his house on the same day and she's like, where did he go? They're like, he's out of here. He's taking the job in London. She's like, no, I want to tell him that I love him. And so she gets in a cab and she goes to the airport, but it's too late because he's in group one and group one is boarding and he's getting on the plane and she gets out of the cab and he's gone forever. And she's like, she's sobbing. She's crying out there. And of course it's raining and there's no umbrella and she's got tears and mascara running and all this, but something inside of him won't let him leave. And so he gets off of the airplane and he's like, I have to tell her how I feel. And he goes outside the airport and there she is standing there in the rain. And he's like, this is going to be hard. And she says, this is going to be hard. And he's like, I'm not taking the job in London. I love you. And she's like, I love you too. And they get married and they have kids. And that's the end of the story. That's a movie. That's not even a good movie. Right? I I think it was an episode of Friends that I saw. Love is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. Are there feelings associated with love? Absolutely. Because I know all the single people right now are like, yeah, I want to do that. (laughs) I'm just telling you, if you don't know it yet, there will come a time that you're going to need that promise that you sent into the future. Because of hurt, because of pain, because of frustration, because of stress in the relationship. Like you don't, you don't need, you don't need the, the promise when you're standing at the, the Eiffel Tower taking the selfie together because you are in Paris, the city of love. <laughs> you know when you need it? I'll tell you when you need it. You need it when the child that you had together is sick and can't sleep at night, and you've been up all night with a sick child, and they got up, and you said some things that weren't kind, and all you know is in the morning you had to wake up and say, hey, I'm sorry, I've been sleep deprived. I know I said some things to you that were unkind. Like, that's when you need the promise. Does that make sense? You need it for those moments. A promise is pro materme, something we send ahead in advance into the moments that you need it the most. And so I want to give you three. Three that I want you to write down. Three promises that will help you thrive in your your marriage relationship. Three promises I think you should be looking for in somebody. If you're not married, for... To, to, to be in the person that you are, are looking for. Because I want you to know, too, it is possible to keep a promise. I know that in today's culture, in social media, it's like you get on and you see another couple bites the dust. Like another couple is announcing that they don't feel like they're in love anymore, that they're falling apart, being married after 10, 20, 30, 40 years even. People are saying, you know, we just don't feel like we love each other anymore. And I'm like, I didn't know I got into it because I felt something. I thought it was a commitment. I thought it was a, a vow, a promise that I was sending into the future for the moments that I didn't feel something. And so I want to give you some, some tools that I, help, uh, I think will help us go the distance. And here's what you need to know, too, before we dive in. I want to get at the root of it. Meaning, <laughs> this ain't going to be fluffy. Okay? Are we good? Like... Like, I'm not going to simply give you advice like, hey, don't go to bed angry at each other. Don't go to bed mad. And that's, that's good advice. God's word even says that. But after being married almost 25 years this summer, how many of you know arguing at 3 and 4 in the morning, that ain't good either. <laughs> Things don't go well. And so this is not going to be, be fluffy. I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to get to the root. 
so that we can produce good fruit and so we can go the distance. So here's the first one, and we're going to do this like, like vows, like we're at a, at a wedding ceremony. So I want you to repeat after me. Everybody say, I promise. I promise. Try it again. I promise, I promise to keep Jesus at the center. Promise number one. I promise to keep Jesus at the center of this. Can I just tell you before we even get there, if not, I don't know how it works. Matthew 6, says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things. What are all these things in this context? It was referring to material things. It was referring to like provisions that we, we need, things that, that, that people want. And I would, I would put relationships in that category. Because you do know that you were created in God's image and you were made for relationships. So I think it's a deep need that we have. In fact, I think it's the, the most important decision you can make outside of giving your life to Jesus is who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? And so it's a deep need that we have, but he says, seek first Jesus, his kingdom, and then the rest of that stuff will be taken care of. All these things will be given to you as well. But here's what we do. We do this verse in reverse. A lot of times what we do is we worry and we sweat it. And then we, in our own strength, try to fix what is broken. And it's almost at a last ditch effort moment. Then do we seek God and say, God, we need your help in this, this relationship. He says, no, Jesus at the center, seek God first. One of the greatest commitments you can make, husband, wife, is to keep Jesus at the center. One of the greatest commitments that you should be seeking out from someone that you are seeking to do life with is do they have Jesus at the center? Can I just say to all the single people in the room, what makes you think if Jesus is not at the center of their life while you are dating them, that he will be at the center of their life when they say, I do? What makes you think that? Like what makes you, is it just poof, it's going to happen the moment you, you, you stand together at the altar? No, Jesus at the center. Because if we're just going to be honest, ladies, a guy will do or say just about anything to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he will make it look like and sound like Jesus is at the center if... I'm looking if there's kids in the room. Are you with me? Anything. Like if some clown is asking you to go away on a weekend with him and sleep together in the same bed, but at, at the same time he's telling you Jesus is at the center of his life, he's full of it. Like it blows my mind. And oftentimes, listen, I'll just go for the jugular because when people sometimes say, hey, yeah, so-and-so and I, we went away on a trip, you know, to Vegas and, you know, we were just dating, got to know each other. I'm like, okay, so tell me how that worked. Did you sleep in the same bed? Or did you sleep on the floor? Did you get a separate room? And often it gets awkward and weird and quiet because nobody wants to, like, it's a good indication is Jesus at the, the center of it. Like, if Jesus wasn't at the center of it before the first date, what makes you think he's going to be the center later on? Jesus only. Jesus only. Because he's the only one that can carry your, your value, your worth, your identity. In fact, when we start trying to have someone else carry that for us, 
that was never you know, made to carry that, it puts a weight and pressure on them that they were never meant to handle, only Jesus. Is this making sense? Jesus at the center. And you need to know by the first date, by the way, not the second date, not the third date, but you should know. I'm not saying you got to lead with the question, hey, where's Jesus in your life? But you should know by the end of the night, is Jesus at the center? Not the fifth date, not the sixth date. Like, and not that you don't ask other questions about career and, you know, purpose and calling and all that. All that stuff's great. You know, you're going to consider earning potential, you know, together. All that kind of stuff. I understand that. In fact, any girl that comes around my boys, I'm going to have a lot of questions for. But you know what the first question is going to be? Where's Jesus in your life? That's going to be the first question. Where's Jesus in this? Because if he is not at the center of it, can I tell you something? You are headed for disaster. Why, Colby? Because you will approach this world from two different perspectives. You will see the world through two different lenses. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you'll see your finances differently. Did you know that? You'll see them through the lens of everything I have comes from a, a good father, is given to me, and so I'm going to return to him a tithe, a tenth of everything that he gives me back to the local church, back to his storehouse, that there might be food in his house. Try explaining to someone who Jesus is not at the center of their life what it means to tithe. They'll look at you like you have lost your mind. Is that not true? Why would you give 10% of your hard-earned? You will just see life differently. Like if you're out on a date with them, just ask them, do you tithe? And if they look at you like, what are you talking about? I ain't saying ditch him. (laughs) But here's what I'm saying. It's a pretty good indication. I'm not saying it's the only indication. But it's a pretty good indication is if Jesus is at the center of their life. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's where you are, are following. Are you with me? You will parent differently. If Jesus is at the center of your life, Christ follower, you are not going to parent based on what the latest book on psychology says about where you should get your value and your worth and your purpose. No, you are going to base where you get those things from God's word. You're not going to base, you know, your, where you find identity and gender and all that kind of stuff from the latest teachings on, on, you know, on the, on the social media. You are going to get those things from God's word. Like it will be a disaster. I promise you it does not work. If Jesus is not at the center of the relationship, Jesus at the center, at the center. If not, it's going to create stress and tension. And and here's what what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14. This is a metaphor that Paul gives us. He says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Another translation says, do not be unequally yoked. And the reason is because what does wickedness and righteousness have in common, and the answer is nothing. He says, what, what about light and dark? Can they exist together? No, they, they don't coexist together. It simply does not, not work. I'm just telling you, it will save you from so much heartache. Jesus at the center. In fact, the first date you go on with somebody, you should have about 20 questions ready for them. 20 questions. And again, not the fifth date, not the sixth date. And I know sometimes people are like, well, you know, Colby, you're a pastor. And of course, that's what, that's what you did, you know, made sure Jesus was at the center. I started dating Kristen before I was a pastor. 
I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know what God's call was on my life at all. All I knew was, here's what I knew, I was a believer and I was looking for another believer who would run this race with me. Like that's it. Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center. Um, and I don't understand, honestly, I'll, I'll talk to guys all the time that, that'll say, you know, they went on a date with someone, I'm like, all right, how did it go? They're like, awesome, it was great, it was great. Do, you know, where are they with Jesus? Oh, I don't know, we didn't talk about that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, for me, first of all, it was an economic thing, because I'm like, why would I take you on a second date if I knew it wasn't going anyplace? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I could be three, four, five dates into this thing, two, three hundred bucks in the hole already, if I know we're not going any place, nah, I'm going to stop, girlfriend, at the $25 investment level. I'm going to stop at the half-price appetizers at Applebee's level <laughs> if this ain't going anywhere. Jesus at the center. And by the way, not me at the center, not you at the center, because here's some of the pushback from single people. They'll say, well, you know what? I don't have anybody right now, so it's all about me. Show me in God's word where it says it's all about you. Because I've read that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. I've read that I was purchased with a price and my life is not my own. There is never an age or a stage in anybody's life if they are a follower of Jesus, whether you are single or not single, where your life is about you. It's never been that way. Our life is not our own. Jesus at the center. Are we good? Moving on, number two. I promise, say I promise, I promise. to keep pursuing. Proverbs 14, 23 says this, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So when it comes to pursuing, I'm not just going to talk about it. I'm going to do it. This is the, hey, show me, don't tell me verse. This is the don't just talk about it, but be about it kind of, of verse, that you don't just pursue someone up until the point they say, I do. You pursue them long beyond the, the I do. It's a commitment. It's a promise that you are sending into the future to continually pursue them. Even after you have four kids and you're tired and you're exhausted, it's a commitment to say, hey, you know what, girlfriend? Just you and me tonight. We're going to get the kids. We're going to get a sitter. We're going to do whatever we need to do. Just you and me. Right? We're going to go away. We're going to take a, an overnight, whatever it takes to do. And by the way, I'm not talking about just pursuing them and a promise to pursue romantically. I know sometimes we kind of get you know, stuck in that kind of, of, of thought, but I'm talking about pursue them as an individual who's changing and growing and becoming more mature. I'm talking about pursuing you together as a couple, how you grow together as a couple. Like, Sometimes people will say things like, well, you know, my, my husband, you know, he's not the man that I married. Or my wife, she's not the woman that I married. And I'm thinking, well, that's good. Thank God I'm not the man that Kristen married, you know, those many years ago. Like, thank God I was an idiot back then. Like, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. Like, you're not supposed to be the same. I think one of the worst things you can say to somebody is, yep, same old, same old person. He never changes. She never changes. No, you better be changing. You better be growing. You better be developing. You better be maturing in your, your life. Like You need to understand that the person you said I do to is complex, and they're going to be different in one season than they are in the next. So I'm talking about pursuing understanding 
of that person as they are growing, because we all are. And, and trying to understand her, guys, you will never fully understand her. You just can't do it. But pursuing trying, pursuing, pursuing growing in love, pursuing growing in forgiveness, pursue growing in, in peace together. This is a commitment to say, I'm going to pursue you when, you when you want me to, and I'm going to pursue you when you don't want me to. I'm going to pursue you when there's, you're in a funk and you don't want to be around anybody, and I'm going to pursue you. Are you with me? Does that make sense? It's a, it's a promise to pursue. And if I had some more time on this, I would talk to the guys, and maybe in a couple of weeks I will, but the Bible says, uh, real quickly, you should know, it's your job, gentlemen, to pursue. The Bible says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. It's your job to pursue her, not stalk her. <laughs> Some of you knock it off. But pursue, it's your job to pursue her. And I say that because here's the problem, ladies. Some of you, some of the reason you're struggling in your marriage today because there's a lack of pursuing you is because during the dating process, you did the pursuing for him. And you never made him do it. And so now you're reaping the consequences of that. And I'm not saying that's, you know, he's off the hook on that. But I'm just saying, ladies, it's not your job to pursue. And guys, step up and pursue. Are you with me? Step up. Uh, and here's some of the, what Revelation 2.5 says. Consider this. Consider how far you've fallen. So if you realize today you're in here and said, I've, I haven't pursued like I haven't, you know, things, I don't know how we drifted so far apart. I'm not sure how we got where we are today. It says this, repent. Somebody say repent. Yeah. Repent and do the things that you did at first. And go back to those, those early days. And the word repent, I understand, has a bad connotation to it because when we hear that word, we think of the guy on the street corner with the bullhorn, you know, saying repent, repent, turn or burn, you know, all that kind of stuff. But repent means I'm just going to change my mind. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my direction on this. So if you wake up today and you realize, you know what? We're 10 years into this marriage and we just put it on cruise control. This is on autopilot. It's not, it's not growing. No, you need to repent. Change your mind. Change your thinking and go back and say, you know what? I'm going to continually pursue you. I'm going to continually maintain this. I'm going to build into this. I'm going to grow this thing because you will either grow in your relationship by design or by default. And a choice uh, to grow by default, can I tell you something, is a choice to grow apart. 100%. Any couple that just says, you know what, cruise control, autopilot, we choose to grow by default, they grow apart. They don't grow closer together. So what you want to do is grow by design. That means you have to plan, you have to strategize how you're going to grow together. It's, it blows my mind sometimes how people will have a plan and strategy for their money, for their investments, for their 401ks and IRAs. They'll plan and strategize for those things, but they will not have a plan or strategy for longevity in their relationship. Blows my mind. Like we need to strategize and have a plan for how we grow together and grow by design, not by default. Here's number three, and I think this one's so important. Everybody say, I promise, I promise. to protect our purity. 
That got quiet. <laughs> I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because Pastor Will brought a great message about purity last week. But this one, this one amazes me sometimes. As I'll sit in counseling sessions with couples or if I'll, I'll hear of other counseling sessions from our staff where I just am blown away that there are married couples that are not protecting the purity of their relationship. Like this is a literal conversation that I've had where people have said, you know what, there was no more spark in the relationship, there was no more fire, and so we decided it'd be a good idea to bring pornography into the marriage bed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like if you leave God even out of it completely and just take what psychologists say about it, there are proven like stats that show you that will destroy a marriage destroys it. Not to mention, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at another woman. The Bible says that we are to, what, flee from sexual immorality. We're to get the heck out of there. We're to go as fast as we can away from that. And we're not to bring that into our lives. God's word tells us in Hebrews 13, 4, that the marriage should be honored by who? Say it out loud. By what? Is it up there? The marriage should be honored by who? All. All. Everyone. Your marriage should be something that is valued and honored and esteemed by the people in your life. If there are people in your life that aren't speaking life and hope and grace and mercy into your marriage, with all due respect, you need to remove them from your life. You need to, you need to let them, you know, say, don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you. Like, seriously, the people in your life should honor your marriage. Should never talk. Like, ladies, when you go to the office and there are women that are talking negatively, you know, about men and bitter about, you know, their husbands or about your husband. I can't believe it did this. I can't believe it. No. That's not honoring your, your marriage. A lot of times they're complaining and bitter because they are miserable in their own relationship. Guys... You know what's not honoring the purity of your marriage? Is getting on Facebook and looking up what your ex-girlfriend from high school is doing. Knock it off. Well, we just, I'm trying to reconnect. I'm just trying to see, you know, what they're doing in life. Stop it. Like the moment Kristen and I said, I do, and we made a promise, we made a vow, you know what it did? It radically changed every other female relationship in my life. Minus my mama or my granny. Like, seriously, it should impact every relationship. Like, I still have friends that are girls, but we don't communicate, like, in that way. Like, ever. And a lot of times, Kristen's involved in that communication. Why? Because I want to protect the purity of the relationship. And I know some guys, they'll push back and say, well, you know, well, she, she's just my friend. You know, she's just, we hang out at the office. Sometimes we'll, you know, after work, go grab a beer. I'm like, bull, <laughs> straight up, because I know how the rest of that sentence ends. You know how it ends? It ends with, well, and then one day my wife and I, we were on the rocks, and I felt alone, and, and she understood, and she was there for me, and one thing led to another. That's how it ends, and I've heard that so many times. I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm just, I'm fired up about this. Because there are married people not protecting the purity of the relationship. 
Because can I tell you something about the enemy? He is, he is a sly dog. He's crafty. And he does not flood your house overnight. You know how he does it? Drip by drip by drip. It's one text message. It's one DM. It's one look up of that person online. It's one picture. It's one movie. He is crafty. And he, he is smarter than any of us. And he has more patience than any of us. He plays the long game in this. I'm just telling you, we need to protect the purity of our, our relationships. The Bible goes on to say in that verse that the marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed be kept pure. Kept pure. What does that mean? It just means between you and your, your spouse. Like it needs to be kept pure between the two of you. And, and what happens there, if I could go there, is whatever you're comfortable with. Talk about that, the two of you. That's all right. I got to keep going. Here's what Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever conceals their sin, because I know we listen to some of this and think, man, I blew it, I blew it. This is not how, you know, I, I, I've lived. This is not how we've, we've not protected our, our purity. We've not done this. But here's the, the great news. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Can I just encourage you, if you would just go to God and say, God, I blew it. You know what he has waiting for you with, without limit? Mercy, grace, forgiveness. God is just saying, hey, what a, what a great day to start again. In your marriages, hey, what a great day to start again. To have a fresh start. Wipe the slate clean. My mercy for you is great. And I want to finish with just some words of Jesus. So in conclusion, um, it's been proven that whenever somebody says in conclusion, the audience, 70% uh, of the audience reengages. So in conclusion, Jesus talking about marriage himself. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his mother and his father. And the two will be united and the two will become one. And I've, I've questioned this, you know, I thought, hey, what, is, what does that really mean? Is that just talking about the physical? What, is, what does this mean? Here's what I know. It's something supernatural that happens. That is more than just a commitment, it's more than just a contract. This is a covenant that God ordained. Like, don't, don't miss the, the, the weight of this and the importance of this. There is no other relationship on this earth like a marriage. There's nothing else like it. There's not a, a parent-child relationship. There's not a, you know, a business partnership. There's not a friendship. There's nothing like this that God says the two become one, something supernatural happens. He says, two become, in fact, he says it again. Look at, he says, hey, you know, just in case I wasn't clear, they're no longer two. They are one. Meaning it's not about you anymore. It's not about your opinions. It's not about just your wants and your desires. You guys are now 
one together, which is why, by the way, narcissism will never work in a marriage because a marriage is the greatest experiment of dying to oneself, is it not? It is one of the most selfless things that you can do. But he says the two become one, therefore, and this is wedding speak, Maybe you've heard this at a a wedding before and you did not realize it was God's word, but therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. No one. No one. No one from the outside and God forbid no one from the inside. God joined together. You know what this means? I don't, I don't stay in my marriage because, because I have resilience. I don't stay married to Kristen because I have perseverance and I just have a, a stick-to-it kind of spirit. You think she would want that? I'm in it because at the moment I said I do and we stood before God and made a vow, made a promise that we were sending into the future. God took a Colby and a Kristen, and the two became one. And something supernatural happened. He said, let no one tear that apart. No one, not you, not anyone from the outside, no one. And it's a promise that we made. It's a promise that we, we sent into the future because there were gonna be moments in the relationship, in the marriage that we would need it. There's gonna be moments that you need it. That you go back to the promise that you made. And so here's what I want us to do. Would you stand to your feet? Without, without scurrying around, I, I want to worship through this in just a moment. But if you just bow your head and close your eyes all around this room. Here's what I know about a room this size. Is that some of you are in the season following a broken promise. once again, you need to know how much God loves you and cares for you, that his mercy is new for you. Some of you are on the back end of breaking a promise. And I believe God's word for you is to, hey, why not today start fresh? Why not today promise to to pursue again? Why not today promise to have purity? Why not today start start over and then there are some of you in this room that Jesus is not at the center of the relationship because he is not at the center of your life and today is an opportunity for you to put Jesus at the center and start to live first and foremost as a follower of Jesus and allow yourself to be rooted and built up in Christ and so that would would make all the relationships in your life healthy because healthy roots produce good fruit so as we worship here's the question for some of you is you need to reconnect your heart to God some of you need to begin a relationship with God the way we do that is through Christ is through confessing that we're sinners that we're broken that we are desperate for a savior and you're going to have a chance to do that just as we worship and sing in just a moment I want to pray for you, whatever that commitment is, whatever God is speaking to you right now, in Jesus' name, would you make room 
to move in our hearts. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources to help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. Thank you for living generously. We hope you enjoyed this message. Have a great week.